Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. Hey everybody, this is Dr. David and Dr. Nick coming at you today, and uh, buddy, we just got to spend some quality time together, didn't we? Oh, we did. It was beautiful. You know, we just don't get enough time to hang out, and I mean, obviously we hang out weekly on here, get on calls here and there, but uh, yeah, getting to play out in nature, which we got a chance to do. You guys kicked my butt up on the hills of Laguna. Uh, That was, uh, man, that was probably the highlight of the trip. So yes, we got Dr. Hank, who we'll have on the podcast soon. He's a chiropractor in Laguna, and he took us on a little adventure, and we got to mountain bike up in the Laguna Hills, the nice ocean view, and then we we finished with some amazing life experience sushi, right? <laughs> the sushi was phenomenal. I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't know if it was the icing on the well, yeah, it was it was the icing on the cake. Uh, outside of the views and the exhilaration of going. Uh, downhill uh, at a pace that I can handle. I mean, you guys flew away from me. I <laughs> had no idea where you were on those on those trails. But I gotta say, points. man, you did you did amazing. Like that was Dr. Nick's first time mountain biking, yeah. and he literally I couldn't have told I couldn't tell you that was his first time. Like he handled it, buddy. You did awesome. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it, it's funny. Like when we we were kind of deciding on going out to to do the mountain biking, the trails. I just thought, like, geez, never have done this before. And I know that some of those trails when you're going downhill are so tight and i didn't see it probably for the first i don't know 45 minutes and then hank said okay we're going to take a left here go down to the i can't remember the name of the trail emerald something or other um and it was like exactly what i was expecting these tight little trails deep turns big crevices rocks and cliff and i mean it was it was something that just awakens you i mean we talk about flow state on on previous podcasts talk about like a uh, you know, a fast track into a flow state when you're forced to be super hyper-focused on your terrain. Well, and I think from, from, from a place, cause we're both athletes, right? Like you miss that, don't you? Oh man. Yeah. It's like when we did that Spartan race for the, for the first right? time. So yeah. like, we like tapping into that. You let you tap into that for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. It's, awesome. it's funny because I mean, just to finish off that uh, conversation on the ride. I mean, I said this to you and, and you guys both noticed it to me. I, I was, I was running out of gas climbing some of those hills. And then after we had that first downhill experience, it's kind of like every hill after that just felt smaller. It was easier to climb up it. And, you know, there's, there was points on that trek where I was getting off the bike and pushing, but on that back slot, after hitting that state of flow and the revitalization, that the energy that, that was, you know, flowing through our master computer, which we're going to talk about today, uh, was just, all lit up and it made made the rest of the ride so much easier yeah you looked like you had a rebirth halfway through so yeah totally was (laughs) yeah yeah. that's that's yeah we're gonna get into that day so i was telling i was talking to dr nick and we're really excited for today's episode because this has been a little bit of a theme that has been in my head for probably about a month now since i got back from nis masters and it's vital function demands of our body And so real quick, I'm just going to spit out the four uh, vital function demands in order. And then me and Nick are actually going to break these down and kind of get into some conversations. And this is really important information for you to really just understand how your body works. Uh, You know, Nick's, uh, this conversation could go anywhere. We talked about that. But um, I mean, just talking about your mountain bike ride, we could just use that as an example, right? Yeah. 
So number one is communication. And I, you hear me talk about this all the time. I'm a chiropractor. I work with the nervous system. My job is to basically help reconnect the brain to the body, body to the brain. And I've elevated that by, by uh, basically uh, adding NIS to my tool bag to help people and make those changes further upstream. Um, so this is humongous. I mean, I always say that the body can't do anything else if it doesn't have the communication first. Yeah, that's. Are you gonna Are you gonna list them off, or are we gonna yeah. dive yeah, into each concept? No, we'll, yeah, we could do it. And the number yeah. two is resources. So I'll let Nick take this one. Resources, Nick. Yeah. So resources is essentially the way I the way I understand is is our body's capacity to um, to to hold charge and have have information be delivered to different aspects of the body. Um, yeah. Can you you want to dive into that well, a little bit? And more? I would even say resources would be like having to eat a healthy diet and making mm. sure that you're putting building blocks in because the body can't heal and even do anything if those building blocks aren't there, right? Yeah. So to some degree, there's a piece of resources that comes into well, what are we putting in our body? Mm -hmm. Number three is response. Yeah. So this is a response to maybe uh, addressing inflammation or trauma in the body or perhaps. Uh, like we were talking a little bit early, an infection that we get mm -hmm. in the body and things like that. So your, your ability to function, to just have a response to these things. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth is reactivi reactivity. So you're basically your body's ability to sink back after it has to go through these resources and use them to respond to something and basically have an, ad an adaption to something that's happening, whether it's a stressor or like you're mountain biking and the body's mm -hmm. got to turn on certain circuits to, for you to survive it's being able to go back into the state that you were before because just a quick example is I think people are stuck in fight or flight all day, man, and they can't mm -hmm. sink back into parasympathetic, some of them. And that's oh, what's beautiful driving example. That's yeah. what's driving sickness. So we're talking about just reactivation. Okay. Mm -hmm. So those are the four communication resources, response and reactivity. So let's start with communication and let's just go a little further with this. Yeah. And, um, I would just like to, I mean, brain and spinal cord is an obvious, right? This is mm -hmm. our master system, our nervous system. It controls all other systems, communicates to every living cell of your body. Cells are communicating back. And then I would also add the fascia, the connective tissue matrix mm -hmm. to this, this one as well, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm almost thinking like, it might be helpful to have like an avatar of someone that that we're working with. We can kind of keep it simple, of even just um, someone stuck in chronic pain. Right. Okay. Like that's sort of an easy example. So imagine we've got someone who maybe had a concussion or head injury. You know, we talked about that a lot of the weekend too. Um, someone just went through a trauma and, uh, and they're, now they're sort of in, in a chronic phase. It's gone past, you know, the first few weeks were maybe six to six weeks to two months in, uh, this can be a concussive individual who's now developing chronic symptoms so imagine that as your avatar it's chronic pain maybe there's headaches migraines can't dizziness. sleep well dizziness i mean you you've had these so maybe you can just list off some of those symptoms what does that look like yeah definitely the headaches you'd be having neck pain headaches uh dizziness uh getting fatigue cognitive fatigue so reading or looking at screens like your phone or the tv too long right mm -hmm. uh balance issues would be mm -hmm. another piece of that okay um and then um you know, really, like you said, there, there's going to be a level of, of, of just overall discomfort and fa just fatigue. Like yeah. when you're concussive, there's just fatigue, man. You're just tired because the body's eating up so much energy to try to heal the brain. Yeah. So communication, man, I mean, 
you know, when you take a bang like that to your head, you're going to, I kind of call it like overloading the breaker. You're going to, there's going to be some overloads there and, and circuitry is going to break down uh, mm -hmm. downstream. And so, you know, again, this is vital, man. This is number one. That's mm -hmm. what the whole foundation of what I do for a living is you've got to make sure that you have a fully functioning nervous system. And I'm going to add the connective tissue matrix to that to make sure that your body is able to at least just send the signaling mm -hmm. where it needs to go and then the body back to the brain so we could get even into membrane potential and stuff so that the actions of the brain are actually taking place. Yeah. I mean, because you look, you look at a concussion, look at all the symptoms I just gave you. You have neck mm -hmm. pain, okay? You have balance issues and dizziness, right? There's fatigue issues. I mean, so you're looking at all the things that are breaking down just from that trauma. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, with, with this, I think it's important to understand when you, you I mean, you just, we just described like, let's say a head injury here and the concussion, there was a, there was a local trauma. And then, like you said, there's this diversification of symptoms migrating to all sorts of different areas of the body. So at the level of communication, head or the nociceptors or there's something in the head picked up that information. It's, it's now created a local response, which we're going to get into in a little bit, but that's communication from trauma to the glymphatic system of the brain, which is also communication to the, you know, the, the thalamus or the different areas of the brain that are trying to regulate uh, temperature and, and the city levels and, and um, communication to the, the, the immune system. And then that's being perceived maybe cerebellum and movement and the swelling is communicating to cytokine release, which are basically little messengers in the body, you know, trying to do something with that inflammation. Um, I mean, there's so many different layers of communication and eventually it's hitting, you know, you mentioned the, the extracellular matrix and the connective tissue matrix, which is essentially how it's moving to every single part of the body. Right. I mean, Talk it's about like a, talk about like sort of that flow because that's that's fascinating. Well, it's it's just it's just massive breakdown, right? Like you just said, and then with that breakdown, especially up at the head region, because we're talking concussions. Once this breakdown takes place, like you're saying, all of these things have to take place from an inflammatory response to, you know, the tissues are going to change. You know, our connective tissue matrix. For those who, of you who don't know what that is, that's our fascia. And our fascia is made of collagen and this like crystalline structure. So they've done experiments with it and you can put light into this fascia and it really lights up. It'll light up the whole body. It'll be more, more intense where you put the light, but any, anywhere you address the fascia, it's having a global effect on your body. So just even a head trauma is going to uh, affect the fascia and it's going to have downstream implications into the neck and the shoulders. I mean, even all the way down to your hip and feet, and, and this wow. is, again, uh, this system works faster than our nervous system. They've actually done studies on the connective tissue matrix. So real quick, I want to talk about that because I want people to understand how fast this network works versus our nervous system. So, for example, uh, we'll talk about a cheetah sprinting at 60 miles an hour in the Sahara, right, like, or, the, you know, in Africa. And every time its foot is planting and having to push off, it has to adjust to the terrain that it's pushing on. Or let's say mm -hmm. it needs to turn left or right, right, to kill its prey. Well, what, 
they've measured our nervous system and the conduction from the brain to where the nerves travel and back. And for a cheetah to be able to do that is almost impossible. The timing is, it's not fast enough. So they knew there was something else going on. So they actually looked into the, the fascia and they, and they learned that our fascia is a connective tissue matrix. And the way that they tested this, and they did this on a human, is they, they took a human and they put them in front of a flashlight and they turned on the light and they measured how fast it would take when the light hit the eyeball for the occipital lobe of the brain to light up to show that it was basically perceiving light. Mm -hmm. And they measured that. So then they... They, they took the same individual and they wanted to see uh, basically how fast the fascia network worked. And so they took an acupuncture point on this individual's heel of his foot that corresponds to the occipital lobe. And they poked that acupuncture point and they were able to again measure the speed and it was faster than the light shining right in the eye in the same experiment. So what they learned is this connective tissue matrix not only not only works globally, but it's much faster than our brain works. So when this gets damaged, I mean, I work with fascia all day long. I use percussive instruments. You just bought a rapid release. You're, you're turning out, yeah, you're getting into the fascia, right? So when you start understanding Understanding the implications of the fascia, uh, it plays this massive role in our healing. I mean, and beyond, you know, beyond healing and movement, our ranges of motion, pain, all these things. Uh, you know, I use percussive in instruments all day, like I said, and we do it to address the fascia. Uh, pretend, you know, fascia is a lot like cling wrap that you use in the kitchen. It bunches up and it can get tangled up. And this affects all kinds of things from our structure to people that have issues with range of motion on their shoulders or hips or back or neck. So a lot of times that layer is actually missed by a lot of practitioners and they're not addressing the fascia. Uh, they may just be doing structure or just the soft tissue, right? But it's another layer that always has to be addressed in the healing capacity because it plays such a huge role of communication. So I would say outside of just addressing your nervous system, you know, for these vital functions for healing, you have to address the fascia as well. Wow. I love listening to you speak on this stuff. I mean, this is, this is such important information. If people just even got a sliver of what we're saying here, they would, they would stop getting so hyper-focused on just where the trauma was and start looking at the whole body. And, you know, we kind of brought up as a, as sort of a theme for this discussion of the vitalistic approach versus the mechanistic approach. And the mechanistic approach is really to like get down to the smallest parts of what's actually happening. Like just investigate that core trauma, that concussion. And what we're talking about is vitalism. Obviously we're multi dimensional connected beings that are getting hit and, and basically communicated to on so many different levels. Like even just speaking to the acupuncture point, how it's lighting up the brain. I mean, we are fascinating creatures, <laughs> to say the least. I mean, for that kind of capacity of information to travel at, at it's almost like a, a like a pressure. It's like it's it's like immediately when there's a when there's a, a point of contact, there's an immediate experience globally in the body. Or you know, our, our brain, uh, that tissue. Okay, I'll, I'll use the light as an example. This is a good way for people to picture this. So. And this is how they actually discovered this with laser light. They were taking cold laser therapy and they were doing experiments with burn victims. And what they did is there were these individuals that had burned both arms bilateral uh, by accidentally falling into some grease. 
And so they were lasering these people. In one group, they lasered just one side of the body, they just the left arm. And in the other test group, they lasered uh, both arms. And they were trying to compare to see like which one was going to heal faster and all these things. Well, of course, the, the person that got lasered on both sides healed faster. But the group where they lasered just the left arm still had significant healing on the opposite side of the body that was not lasered at all. So what they were able to figure out was that when light hits the tissue in our body, the fascia, pretend, do uh, you remember going to like the circus or a festival growing up and those fiber optic toys that you used to play with that carried the light through the, the plastic? That's kind of like how our, 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 our fascia is. It's this connective tissue matrix of collagen and these webbings and these strings, like, right? like a spider web, like this intense you know, like all wrapped around our body. And when light hits that thing, it's in most intense where we're putting it, but it lights up our whole body. The whole body will light up when this happens. So you talk about just pressure in one area. If I put pressure just in my calf, just into the fascia, it's pulling on all the fascia in my entire body. It's not just moving the tissue there. This is one continuous sheet. Your fascia is from head to toe, and it works inward into your body and it, co it connects to every living cell in your body. It has adhesion, it has uh, fibrils that connect to every living cell in your body. So that's why it's this massive communication network to every part of what we are as a being. And if this is not addressed to help improve communication uh, in your system, this could be a big reason why people are having trouble healing or they still have issues years down the road because the fascia is still damaged and hasn't been addressed. That, that's amazing, David. I mean, to think that we're not just these superficial layers, right? <laughs> like, I mean, um, the old way that I used to think was that your skin and then you've got the fascia and then you've got, you know, the fat cells and then you've got muscle. And like, you think of like this, like just one dimension, one dimension, one dimension, and they're not connected. And then the way you're speaking to it, you can't see your hands on this audio, but, you know, if you took yourself, you know, you stood and, and if you put one figure in front of you, one figure behind you, that's happening globally across the body as these fascial networks work towards one another. And uh, the intricacy of that communication is just fascinating. I mean, we saw this in the cadaver lab. I can't remember if I shared this story with you before or not. I remember like pulling, because we had the, the, the foot exposed and then we had the face exposed. We pulled on the foot and you could see the face, the fascia yes. and the face start to move. And it's Oh, it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, and then on top of, I didn't mention, this holds all of our organs in place. So like I told, I'm telling everybody, it's intertwined into every living cell of your body and it's feeding communication to everything. So, you know, old surgeries where you have scar tissue or old traumas that have damaged this, this affects that communication network. It does. I see it as this massive antenna. And every time we have traumas in our life that damage this antenna, if it's not repaired, it's, it's going to cause long-term issues for us down, down road. All right, let's move on to uh, resources. So resources, so uh, just basic, like I'm saying, is like we talk about building blocks and the importance of having these in our body so that our body can actually do its job when it needs to function. So something as simple, since we're talking about fascia, it's not just about collagen. You know, 
usually ridiculously deficient in most people's diet, you know, depends on the culture, but like as Americans, we don't eat enough collagen. That's why it's such a big craze right now. We're 30% collagen. If you're not putting good amounts of healthy bioavailable collagen in your system, what building blocks do you have to rebuild tissue like your fascia and your ligaments and your cartilage and your hair, your skin, your nails, organs, right? Vessels. I mean, there's tons of things in your body. Your bones are primarily collagen. So just something as simple as having resources at your disposal, you know, eating a, eating the rainbow like we talk and, and having all your, your vitamins and minerals and nutrients that you need and not being nutrient deficient. There's a huge importance of having resources within the system for the body to carry out all the jobs that it has on a daily basis. Yeah, and so like, let's bring that back to the avatar you know, the, let's talk about like the standard American diet. Someone's, you know, playing a sport, they're eating crappy food or high sugar. Let's see, it, could be, it could be kids, it could be whatever, uh, the Gatorades and those kind of things. When we're talking about resources, like what does your repair toolkit look like? And I think of like all the experts in concussion, they talk about prevention. How are you going to have a more efficient recovery just you know, preparing for the, you know, the worst, expecting the best, obviously preparing, but preparing for an event that could come along, the state of your resources or your, your extracellular matrix, the makeup of your body and your vitamin status, your amino acid status, your, you know, your total nutrient density. Let's talk about that, that avatar that the, the likely individual who's not being super proactive or although probably doing the best that they know, but let's, let's talk about that. That's perfect, man. And I have, a, I have a perfect example for that. So take two football players that have concussive damage. Player A eats a super clean, healthy diet. He's constantly taking good vitamins and, and supplements to support whether it's uh, DHEA, right, and fatty acids and full spectrum stuff. Uh, he exercises, of course, he's a player and he's constantly getting good exercise. Let's say maybe he does a little bit more cardio. Let's just say overall, this guy's taking really, really good care of himself. You know, he knows what to do. And then on the other side, you have B, this guy doesn't supplement. This guy literally just kind of eats whatever he feels like eating. Okay. So he's just one. And I knew these guys playing. So did you in college, they ate fast food all the time and just ate junk ton just lived on sugar lived on sugar right uh and and just really didn't weren't taking care of themselves but just uh you know just you have these total opposites if if each each of these guys has a concussion you're talking about a massive difference between player a and player b's healing capacity and, and their ability to address this trauma after it happens and even the long-term results it's going to have for them and any athlete, even outside of concussive damage with any injury, your overall health is going to determine how fast you're going to come back from that injury or that trauma. And so mm -hmm. just having the right resources in the system by taking better care of yourself plays this massive role in how that all plays out long term. I bet you there's a lot of athletes that could have been in the league longer if they had taken better care of themselves from all the injuries maybe or traumas that they experienced during their yeah. career. Totally. I, I mean, I can't help but think back to college when I was playing college basketball. We were living in dorms. Um, I could eat French fries every single day if I wanted to. <laughs> you know, we didn't have a nutritionist coach, you know, teaching us how to go through this process. And, and then Ken, kind of looking back, going like, if only I implemented what I know now in, in, that, in that lifestyle. And um, I don't know if you were in the same boat as I was. Uh, just kind oh, of 
eating whatever I, whatever, just whatever to fill me up and, you know. Yeah, it it was bad, man. We definitely weren't doing what we needed to back then. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of look back at that and I realize, like outside of just like we're talking just being able to to have resources to heal, just performance, right? Performance mm-hmm. for an athlete. That's why it's so important to be doing all the right things for your body because that's going to play into again like does your body have the resources to carry out the functions that it needs to Mm -hmm. and if you're not operating at the level that you want to or that you think you can be then this is playing a big role yeah so let's let's get a little bit specific here you know someone might be listening going okay what are the best recovery tools obviously we can do a whole podcast on on how to recover more effectively and how to prevent um, uh, a really chronic state of chronic pain post-injury etc but as doctors, this is why we test, right? This is why we, you know, we want to know someone's nutrient status, their their toxicity burden, their food sensitivities, whatever, whatever. We want to create the ideal cellular environment for healing to happen. And this is where working with a practitioner can be so valuable because then you can just, you dive into what's unique for you. I mean, we're stuck in a culture of generalized nutrition plans and generalized supplementation strategies, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we have to get specific. And I know you do a lot of that even with muscle testing and, and, and lab work and everything else that you do as well. But can you speak to just how important it is to get individualized care for, the, for our resources? Well, we all have different bodies, right? That's number one, like you're saying. That's why it takes this individualized approach. But the other piece of that is is every everybody's health issues or dis-ease in their body is going to be a little bit unique in itself. So like you're saying, having to take a multi-therapeutic approach to that particular person because you can't just give, oh, well, this diet works for everybody. So uh, there's cookie cutter here. This works because it works. Everyone just needs to no. Somebody may need to go on a ketogenic diet. Like for example, if I need brain healing for concussive damage, that's actually what I'll, I'll get them into ketosis as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And we do fasting but I get them fat adapted as as soon as possible because that's massive healing for the brain to bring the inflammation down. So, but that maybe wouldn't work for somebody else that maybe has a different issue going on with their health, right? Or we're addressing something else. So it's all unique to the problem at hand and the individual, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing with, uh, let's say we're doing supplement support, right? So for concussive damage, I give these massive high levels of DHEA and fatty acids to the brain. We're just working on really feeding it these things to heal stuff for uh, to downregulate inflammation. Uh, I'm supporting the nerve. The there we have a lot of supplementation that just targets brain and nerve. Okay, and even like I said, uh, fascia. Okay, the tissues. Yeah. So again, there's a customized plan there, right? And it could be different for a different, like I'm saying, different issue. So, of course, man. I mean, that I could keep going, but I mean, you, you, we do this. People do this every day for so many other things. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to their bodies, I don't understand why it doesn't compute that it's no different. That that's how it has to take place. That it's not this general thing. Yeah. Yeah, love you know, that. I had a I had a patient today. She's been eating six meals a day for two years, and she's having issues with her pancreas, right? Mm-hmm. And it's causing neck issues for her. And I'm trying to explain to her how her metabolism and some of these things that I'm finding because of muscle testing and finding these organ referrals is contributing to her structural uh, issues. And she's just doing whatever just because she says, well, they say, and I always ask them, well, who is they, right? And so that speaks exactly to what you're talking to. Like, it's very important that you work with somebody one-on-one 
you find somebody that takes a functional approach that knows the body and, and knows these things and is be able to customize something for you to help you work with these type things. Beautiful. Okay, so next on the list is response, right? Response, yes, sir. All right. So I, I would like to turn it to you, my friend. So let's just use, you know, your talk. Let's we'll talk about the brain, but I want to get into infection too. But so you know, brain trauma. Okay, mm-hmm. and the body has to have a response. So we talked about needing the resources, but then it's just got to be able to have that response. So now we're back to communication and resources first have to take place, right? Mm-hmm. And then now we're okay. Now we're responding like you're saying. So there's an inflammatory response, right? So the so the brain can go in and start healing. You know, your lymphatic system, like you're saying, the glial type mm-hmm. cells and stuff like that. But can you speak a little bit to that process and kind of what's going down, and yep. the importance of that needing to happen efficiently, mm-hmm. so that people can heal right? Yeah. Yeah, so let's take let's take our avatar and say, you know, maybe let's say he's a football player. And let's say he's probably maybe maybe he's had a couple concussions before, but they were pretty minor. You know, maybe you know he hit in practice and, and sort of shook it off. And these little micro concussions or micro traumas, and the response at that time maybe was acute phase inflammation, and the body resolved it, it reactivated, it, which we're going to talk about in a, in a moment. Um, but now this person's had four, five, six. They've they've gone a lot deeper, and that was essentially you. You know, however many years ago. Now you're stuck in a, a chronic phase, chronic inflammation. Now, this is an interesting space to be in because, you know, that same individual we had, you know, person A or B, depending on the diet they're on, they may be stuck in a more chronic phase or that would create the right environment for chronic phase inflammation to show up. And uh, essentially, when we get hit in the brain injury, that's where, yeah, the, our lymphatic system of our brain is called your, your glymphatic system, your glial cells. You know, and what what's the main time of day when our body dumps out that brain inflammation and toxicity? Well, that's when you're sleeping at night. So let's take someone, again, who's not eating well. Their circadian stress is all over the place. They're not sleeping, going to bed on time. They're insulin doping their body at nighttime because they're stuffing a whole bunch of food in right before bed. Their, their brain is literally like a pressure cooker uh, of not being able to drain out that inflammation at nighttime because the, the brain is actually supposed to you know, compress at night so it can flush out uh, the the toxicity or the end, the lymph from that, that brain system. And so this response of the immune system in the brain to locally target that, um, it's kind of getting congested. It's like it's like the sponge that's filling with water, not not squeezing out that lymphatic state. And, you know, we, we sort of perpetuate negative behavior when we're in recovery sometimes. Like how many times have you heard a patient go like, oh, I got hit with stresses, so then I started eating really crappy, and I got off the exercise. Like, why do we always do our worst when we're in a, in a bad state? <laughs> you know, it's just funny, and we come up with excuses. Well, I wasn't—I was sick, so I ate the donuts. You know, I was—I was stressed, and so I did stress eating. You know, it's like when we're at our worst, we do the worst to our body. It's just—it's a funny thing that we find ourselves in, but. So that local response of the glymphatic system. And then we could talk about just the trauma, ongoing trauma in the gut. We know the gut-brain connection. Well, what if we're having food triggers and non-organic foods and we're opening up those gut membranes? Well, we're opening up the, the membranes of the brain as well. So that leaky gut, leaky brain. So then we're saturating our brain with all the chemical toxicity, et cetera, et cetera, that we're you know, 
putting into our body through our food, through our environments, et cetera, et cetera. And now we're just, again, filling up that sponge of the brain and keeping that chronic uh, inflammation localized. So that response that our brain's trying to uh, both compensate but also overcome the chronic trauma, chronic inflammation, is really getting uh, massively affected. So that, those, those are my two cents. What do you think about that? Well, and, I, and to speak some more, man, I, I can't help but thinking just long term when this happens. You know, I think people don't understand that, like, we have these acute episodes of these things that happen, and then sometimes they heal and they don't feel any more pain. So they think, oh, I'm good. But there may be nuances of the dysfunction moving forward with them that they're really not noticing as that's what actually contributed to that. I mean, a lot of people understand with concussions, the long-term issues you're going to have there and what can happen long-term. I mean, they're talking about Alzheimer's and dementia, right? And, you know, some of these behavioral issues and stuff uh, later. But outside of that scary stuff, just maybe just everyday things, like maybe something as simple as being able to process options properly or having sensory distraction issues. I mean, little things that we have to operate in our brain at a daily level efficiently for us to be really somewhat efficient and being able to adapt to our environment may not be functioning for us. And so they seem like little things, but it's kind of like that saying about the marathon runner. It's not the, I forget it's not, they say that it's the pebble in the shoe that slows Mm. the runner down. Right. It's kind of like that. These are little things, but we we're constantly using them neurologically and yeah, the breakdown from these small things, it has a compounding effect and can have really long-term, you know, uh, issues with with causing other problems. Yeah, well, like how you you brought it to that level of adaptation and and understanding response at different levels. Like 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 we talked about the uh, the immune system was one. Just your your sensory input. What the you know it's often why people with concussions they can only handle so much at, at one time. Light, um, your ability to even respond to stress. I mean, what's a common uh, mental state for a lot of people with chronic concussions? Depression, anxiety. Sometimes, you know, more serious things like schizophrenia, they start, start hearing voices and whatnot. And, you know, that's like, like that's an inability to respond to your environment, to the reality that, that you know, the general public is in. And we're, we're, you literally cannot handle that, that same resiliency that maybe you had in the past. Well, uh, and you're talking you know, about massive signal dysfunction. Yeah. Right? Like you, like, in other words... I mean, I'm sorry to interrupt you, brother, but like when you're saying that, I'm just seeing what I'm what I try to clean up on everybody all day. If you have this massive massive signal disruption and the brain cannot interpret its environment, then there is an it's almost like there's an artificial adaption because the body is not processing, and nor is the brain of the body of what's really happening in the environment. Mm-hmm. So that how can it adapt? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, man, I love that because think about, you know, you can hear someone say something, you know, and someone, you know, objectively looking in, that's a pretty normal statement, but you may have interpreted that as like an attack. You may have interpreted that as like something demeaning, or you may have interpreted it as, as like, I don't really understand what they're trying to say. You know, talk about a system overload and a miscommunication at the highest level down to this you know, resources and then into that response. I mean, there's so many levels to understanding response. It's a, it's a fascinating conversation. Well, and even, and even memory. I mean, we can go yeah. deeper into memory. Yeah. 
Yeah, you do it. Your brain's constantly t- okay. So as as we're interpreting our environment, you're taking all of these senses, and your body has to process this sensory information to your brain and your nervous system, and then we have a response and we react to our environment. So your 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 body takes that information in real time, and it constantly taking it and is storing it into these memories, and it has to take that data, and it has to look at that data and say, well, what do I need to keep to help me moving into the future to survive and to continue to adapt in my life, and what isn't as as important, right? Mm-hmm. And then it gives that's how we get these mental cues when certain things happen in our life of how to basically have a reaction to whatever's happening, whether it's something stressful. Or maybe it's not a stressful thing, but everything about what we are moving forward from day to day, we're adapting, but it's from previous experiences. Mm, So you get your bell rung and you have brain damage from concussive damage. I promise you there's issues with memory processing about what is your reality. Mm -hmm. I mean, does that make sense? Oh, totally. Well, as soon as you started speaking on that, I'm like, bingo, there's PTSD, right? Mm -hmm. that's, That's that chronic you know, inefficient response to a previous or a memory. And they were just stuck in that cycle of, of reactivation and, and stress and, and, and all those pieces. Um, yeah. Well, I remember we were talking to Dr. Hank Williams and he was talking about how a lot of soldiers with PTSD, mm-hmm. they're finding that if they give them an activity to engage in because they can't not remember what happened this mm-hmm. stuff is is permanently in their brain and there are mental triggers and memories in there that are going to turn on in their environment all the time moving forward but if there's a therapeutic way to help them cope with those things so he said they do they do jujitsu mm-hmm. these guys do jujitsu regularly and apparently it's helping a lot of these guys with ptsd but just going back that's that whole memory piece of the brain and these these mental triggers that create yeah. that adaption to the environment so yeah, man. I mean, this is good stuff. We could go on and on, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you're talking about response and that's how we respond to our environment, like Nick saying, or an infection, whatever the, our body's constantly at, at work doing these things. Mm-hmm. So let's get into the fourth one. I want to have a little bit of time at the end, maybe to bring it all this together. You cool with that? Yeah. So sure. now we get back into reactivity. So this is, we're talking about the avatar again, concussive damage. Uh, We talked about the communication. The resources need to be there for the healing. We need to have a very good response because uh, of how we take care of ourselves and the body's ability to do that. But then how about now we're into the, okay, how does the body reset? How does it move back into homeostasis after all this stuff happens? And I think what's happening, like you're talking about this chronicity of some of these people's issues, is number one, their body's not responding well. Mm-hmm. But it never reactivates It's because it can't get through these vital function demands. It's like a cascade, yeah. right? So because you're not moving through these things efficiently because they're broken down, there is no reactivity. So you're stuck in that state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, so we could talk about two points. One is someone who is doing it effectively and reactivating. So let's talk about it at the level of a strength of a muscle. I'm going to get you to talk about just you know, reactivating a muscle and now the power comes back on the muscle. That, that would be someone who's had a good resolving experience. Okay. So something as simple as testing a muscle. And, and for those of you know, who are listening, this isn't the strength of a muscle that we're talking about. 
we're talking about basically neurological integrity of this muscle. So if I go to test a muscle and the muscle is weak, so let's say I go and, for example, we check neck flexors because we're talking about a concussion. And this person, when they, they bend their neck and flex their neck and we, we put them into extension, they can't hold their head up. Hmm. This is an issue not with the strength of the muscle right now at this point. This is an activation issue where there's a signal disruption that's not allowing those muscles to fire to a certain action potential to really respond mm -hmm. and activate to what's happening, okay? So now we're going upstream to the brain. Why is this happening? Why is that muscle not, not turned on? So I'm going to take you a little, on a little bit of a, a ride here, but I want you to, to hear me out here. So neurologically, if we were to trace that pathway, it could be a number of things. It could be the hypothalamus when under stress. So the parachute, that's your parachute, it deploys when we're under this ultra stress mode. So a head trauma would do that, right? So hypothalamus goes. And then let's say from the hypothalamus, that somehow connected circuitry made its way, let's say, to the diaphragm or the stomach. So then that goes, right? And then you follow that and let's say it moves and the kidney went, the left kidney. And then let's go full circle and let's say the jaw was affected. So you have these four things that broke down during this trauma that has caused this one thing to shut off or it's not turned on which we're talking about these, these neck flexors, right? Mm -hmm. So you talk about just reactivity here of where this has to be repaired at. So this does not restore if you don't turn the signal back on. So now we're back to communication. So if the communication wasn't there from the beginning, there is no reactivity at the back end because you haven't addressed the communication still. Mm -hmm. Okay, then there's resources that can play in a role in your body's ability to heal to get that communication back online, right? Or for it to hold. And then to have the response like we just talked for you to hold the neck flexion, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes I'll give you an example. I could, I'd have to go in and perhaps and maybe do something like neurological integration and do some things on the brain and I'll get those neck flexors firing again, literally within just a minute or two. And it's because I'm having to correct the signal dysfunction from the brain to the body and the body to the brain. But the reason this broke down is, in this case, is from the trauma. Mm -hmm. So, again, you can't get from, you know, in this case, A to D, right, mm -hmm. if you don't have the first one on. But how much was that affecting that person's healing when they walked into my office if they had their neck flexors not firing? That's yeah. why their neck's killing them. That's probably why they have headaches, right? That's why all these things are ongoing. But like you're saying, there has to be this reactivation. And, and it can be turned on many ways, but I'm just talking as far as I use NIS. Other practitioners may use nu nutrition to support glandular function, maybe to help that turn on. Mm -hmm. Or we could use laser or acupuncture. I mean, there's all different ways to reactivate this. Some are going to be deeper than other levels. But at the end of the day, there's no healing if we're not getting that integrity back in the body. And, and we're using that muscle as an example, but this is the same for an organ. This is the same for, you know, bringing the brain back into homeostasis and some of these other things is if we're not completing these vital function demands, there is no reactivity. Mm -hmm. There are different things that cause things to not react and not have that reactivity. Did, yeah, I hope I did awesome. not confuse you. Yeah. No, I loved it. I listen to you speak on this all day long. It's, I mean, so just, it's amazing. So just real quick though, uh, so, so give an example. Like, like I just said, like 
there's different things. Like sometimes like you're a naturopath, you do functional medicine. Do we have to give nutrition to people? You betcha. To get reactivity sometimes? We do. Why? Because maybe they didn't have the resources to have the response to get them back. Mm-hmm. And then let's go beyond that. Like outside of nutrition, I mean, you even do neurofeedback. Mm-hmm. Now you're working on the communication and are you not? Yeah. You have to use that sometimes to get them back to reactivity. So again, there's layers of these vital functions that you and me have to look at all the time and say, okay, what's broken down that's not allowing them to get back into this reactivation? Mm-hmm. I think we just all appreciate sit back and, and go like, look at all the stuff that goes through a doctor's mind when they're working with somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds so complex, but it's kind of simple. And I love your framework for this because it really speaks to how our body just needs to get back. In. This is just homeostasis is all this is. This is really just a, a way to break down what it takes to get into homeostasis. And, and I love that four, four step framework. And it just, I think it will give people a bit of a a backbone for what it takes for our bodies to heal, you know, and I, and I can't help but think as you're speaking, you know, what is, if you're going to go down to the cell for a moment, what is happening at that electrical membrane? I mean, we're bio, we're a bioelectric computer. We're, we're running off of, you know, we can get etheric and say prana and light energy and, uh, auric bodies and you know all sorts of cool stuff on the level of soul or spirit you know whatever your belief system is and then we're hitting the next layer which is the nervous system and then it's the biochemistry the endocrinology and the emotional systems in there somewhere and and then it's down to the tissue organ level and now we've dropped into a cell and so what's happening at just that one cell level is it it's stuck in a state of contraction it's in a, it's called a hyperpermeable or it's not hyperpermeable it's um super physiological um or hyper what do i want to say it's uh, hyperpolarized sorry it's a hyperpolarized state it's fully contracted there's no nutrient exchange going in or out of the cell and it's electrically stuck and so the reactivation hasn't happened because communication isn't there because uh, the resources aren't there because the re- the response isn't there and so it, that cell stuck in contraction can't re- relax again and that's essentially what, what you're talking about, that level of reactivation is taking us from that sympathetic dominant state into bingo bang. Parasympathetic, yeah. There you go. Well, and I like how you talk about it as it's contracted, right? So we talked earlier about like the brain's talking to the body, every living cell, and those cells have to talk back. Those membranes are like mini brains of your cell. Mm-hmm. And if, if they are in that contracted state, they go deaf. They're not even hearing the signaling from the brain. Yeah. You know, so again, back to our four layers, what has to be addressed to get those cells back in the environment and back in the state where they need to be to actually function properly. Mm-hmm. And now we get it. I mean, now we can get into millions of things from just basic hormonal response in your body all the way to like efficient cellular detox when you're really trying to detoxify the body because, you know, we're nothing, we're over 70 trillion of these little guys. That's what makes us who we are. And they're constantly in this, this constant communication with each other mm-hmm. and with the brain, right? And this connective tissue matrix. And this, this system is constantly working as a holistic uh, being, right? And these things, these basic vital functions, brother, need to function, right? So mm-hmm. I love it how you brought it back to the cell because... That's constantly what we're looking at with people's health is like, 
where is your cellular health right now? And is yeah. that where some of this is happening? Because you talk about this chronic inflammation, that this, this uh, contracted state. That's why a lot of people can't heal. Yeah. That's why people aren't feeling well right now. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. yeah I mean, we just kind of broke down, you know, the, our avatar who, who's had the concussion from start to finish from the communication breakdown, the, the resources response and reactivation. What does this mean for everybody else? I mean, the same thing is playing out on every illness, every chronic disease, every dis-ease. Um, let's talk, let's bring this information into a world that's going to affect all of us because it is a framework that we all, um, if we spent a little time, we could start to really understand more about where we, how we got to where we are. Well, I think this is a perfect time for us to to talk about what you mentioned earlier, man, which is the importance of taking a vitalistic approach to your health versus a mechanistic. So let me just back up real quick. So, you know, there's a lot of medicine that's currently available to us in this day and age that is very mechanistic in nature. And it's stuck in a little bit of a paradigm where they're trying to treat a lot of things that are outside of a mechanistic uh, that that respond really to a mechanistic approach. They're trying to use that same model for these chronic issues with the body. Mm-hmm. And then, and I'm not saying these mechanistic approaches. Some of them don't aren't aren't good. I mean, if if I need surgery, like mm-hmm. please, that's the only approach that really is. But do yeah. you think I'm going to use vital function, vitalistic medicine to help me heal? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, but that's a lot of people aren't even doing that right now, right? They take yeah. the mechanistic approach, they go with the surgery, but then when they're not healing and they're still having chronic issues, they never thought to do a vitalistic approach towards addressing these things. Mm-hmm. So with what we're dealing with currently today with these chronic you know, diseases, autoimmune, right? We have ma- these massive hormone issues with people. These cannot be addressed with a mechanistic approach. Mm-hmm. They all have to come from this vitalistic function approach like you and me are speaking to right now. It's a completely different paradigm and it's a completely different way into the body to make changes, Mm -hmm. but you can't use one for, for another. So what's happening in this mechanistic approach is we're taking acute medicine. It's very mechanistic and we're trying to utilize it for chronic health conditions and it doesn't work. It just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you, you brought, you know, the reality that there's a time and a place and for acute care, for surgery, for emergency medicine, my goodness, don't come see me ever. No, no. <laughs> Call the clinic to let us know how you're doing. But yeah. if you're, if you're in acute trauma, don't go see a functional medicine doctor, a naturopathic doctor. I mean, go, go get some emergency help because that's what's needed in that point in time. And, and let's, let's kind of break it down just from a medication point of view. What is a medication working on? It's working on, it's, well, it's not really working on communication, although you know, one could say that at the level of like hormone receptor uh, or uh, exchange across the cell membrane, but really it's working on uh, like a resource level. Here's a resource that the body is actually shutting down and then it will actually start to affect communication over time. It will start to affect response over time because it's going to affect your detoxification pathways, et cetera, et cetera. So when we use like this, you know, one, we got this hammer and everything's a nail kind of approach. We're hitting very superficial layers, which eventually causes the whole thing to start to crumble. And the same would be for like, you know, from a a green medicine point of view, 
just take probiotics and all your problems are going to go away because we're just working on one level of information. You know, it's, it's the same issue. We now know that overdosing of probiotics can start to make your, make your body uh, or start to create some level of infection, like with too much acidophilus, it starts to look kind of like candida or yeast in the body. So, you know, there's, you know, this, it's not a this or this or, or it's not a, a this or that. It's like there's a time and a place, but when it comes to chronic issues, the vitalistic approach or the, or the, the looking at the whole body approach, the holistic approach has to be taken into account because things are coming at us from multiple different angles and directions and subtleties and densities. And it's, it's not so simple that we can just, you know, everything's a nail. We've got the hammer. Well, I think that was amazing, Betty. I mean, you just had my brain spinning like a million miles an hour, <laughs> but yeah, that's, it's perfect. But let's let's leave our listeners with this because I think we've really given them a lot of great information and you you wrapped it perfectly. But how do we help people understand to how do they do that? So like I, I like using the whole dream team saying, which you've heard say, is mm-hmm. is you have to find a number of practitioners to address different aspects of your health and of course building these relationships and trusting these individuals that they're like your go-tos when things aren't going well. So whether it may be a a naturopath that does functional medicine or a a chiropractor or a physical therapist or an internal medicine dog, right? Like you have to have these people your dentist. Place, your dentist, right? I mean, we could yeah. keep, I mean, we can go to a massage therapist that yeah. does you know, body work, right? An acupuncturist. You, you find all these people that you know, number one, that you trust, but you have an experience with them. They've done a good job for you in the past. They've helped you get well. They've helped you fix things to where when, when you start to notice your body is starting to get out of whack or you have things that happen in your life, these are your go-tos because yeah. they know where to point you because even if they don't have the answers, uh, a lot of times, because you and me just constantly learning, we know sometimes where to help point people yeah. to get to get an answer that we don't know. Because I'm the first to always tell people in my limited experience of 37 years on this earth, I don't know everything, but what I do know, I'm good at. Mm-hmm. But if you if you come to me and I and I don't have an answer, I'm not that egotistical guy that's just going to tell you you're depressed or you're, there's something wrong with you. Like, unfortunately, some doctors do. I just say I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, but you know what? This guy might know, or you know what? I don't know, but I'll try to find out. Um, And that needs to happen more since we're on this conversation. So question your doctors. If you question them and they don't like it, find another doctor, Mm -hmm. right? What other advice would you give them? I would say too, like it doesn't all have to happen at once. You know what I mean? Like you can, your team may like, come together your health team may come together over a couple of years you know it's kind of like you what you said you know we we we're great at what we do our craft and the tools we have and because of our connectivity we're also really great at helping people find the right professional for the situation that's arising and and for a lot of people i mean i've seen some people that have been with us for 10 years and we keep like diving deeper into the layers and you know there's no quick medicine it just doesn't exist and even, you know, breaking down these layers of communication to all the way down to reactivation, sometimes this is a six month journey for some people, you know, sometimes it's longer. And do you see little highlights uh, along the way where things are progressing forward? Oh my goodness. Yes, absolutely. And I say this to every patient, you know, it's going to take some time to get to where you're optimized, 
but reversing an illness to moving into prevention to moving into optimization, like this could be a journey of like, it takes a while. Right. And so don't beat yourself up if you're not at your ideal place right away. There's lots of tools that help, that help get you there. A lot of what we broke down today are places that you need to spend, spend some time and look into. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's my, my bit of information. And, and I got to say, like, there's certain tools that really help to move the needle faster. And you've seen <laughs> the stories you shared with NIS and new integration systems to help set up that proper communication down to reactivation. I mean, it, it's quite, quite phenomenal. And, and yes, there's other tools out there, but maybe you can kind of close with just why that tool spoke to you and, um, yeah. Oh, thank you, man. I've been waiting to, to let this one out for a while. I'm glad you asked me that question. So I've been a chiropractor for 12 years, going on 13. And basically my job on a daily basis is to basically remove subluxation from the body. So in my career, I've gone from a structural-based chiropractor to a functional-based chiropractor where I, I address all three stressors, uh, biochemical stress, mental, emotional, and physical stress to remove subluxation. And I have found success along that whole path. And, you know, last year, this year, I came across a neurological integration system by a friend of ours that we met through HCF called Dr. Jim Bentz. And when he worked on me and Clarissa, it changed our lives. I realized in a moment because I do applied kinesiology in my clinic and I have for 12 years, I realized just by watching Jim work on my wife within a moment that, oh my gosh, all of this has to take place upstream at the brain, not the body. You know, I, I can map the brain. I can look for signals, function downstream, tell you everything that's shut off. But, and that does, it does work to some degree. Um, but when you get upstream to the brain and the brain starts showing you what needs to be addressed and where the signal dysfunction is. And then you can just turn those circuits back on and integrate. You have these massive changes. So again, I'm trying to remove subluxation. Buddy, since I implemented NIS in my clinic, when I put people back on the adjustment table after an NIS session, their spines are clear, brother. Hmm. There's wow. nothing there. I've never seen people's spines clean up so fast because I'm actually getting to the root of why they're subluxated. Mm -hmm. And just to take that a little further, because we've got to wrap up today. The other crazy thing about this, this new technique I'm using and how effective it is, is number one, we're changing people's lives and I'm able to help people on another level that I've never been able to. But the story that it tells me, because when you do INS, the brain's telling you what broke down that caused that problem. The story that it tells I would be, it's safe to say that about 80% of the stuff that I'm cleaning up neurologically wasn't even structural in nature. Hmm. So if I kept just adjusting the spine over and over and over, there's not going to be a change because I'm not finding, I'm not getting to the issue, the root of the cause. Mm -hmm. With NIS, the brain shows where the breakdown is and why that's happening. So then when you reset that and you integrate, that subluxation goes away and it doesn't come back. And so it's ridiculous. I mean, even my patients that have been seeing me for years and they trust me and they, and they love me and they think I'm an amazing chiropractor. When I do NIS to them and then I go back and show them that everything's gone and even the tenderness in their spine will be gone where I touched earlier to show them where their subluxations were or the weaknesses, right, when I do muscle mm -hmm. testing. 
they look at me like, holy cow, like, how did you do that? And I tell them, I didn't do that. Your brain did that. My job is just to have that conversation and, and integrate. But they're so blown away and they're blown away in a place where they understand that their bodies are more powerful than they ever imagined. Mm. They realize in those moments, like, my gosh, my body is more powerful than I give it credit for. Wow. Man, and it shivers when you said that. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's amazing, man. Like, my patients, they don't want chiropractic adjustments anymore. They want neurological integration because they see how powerful it is. Wow. And, and, and they just feel better. And it goes beyond the structural feel better. Mm-hmm. It's different for everybody. I page they're sleeping better, their energy's up, their hormones are working better. We're clearing. I mean, there's all kinds of neat things happening, but they're just getting healthier and they feel better. But the end result is I've removed subluxation because all those things that were out of whack was why they were subluxating. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I think that's a you know a phenomenal place to close or like bookmark because we're going to have to come back to this this conversation. It's such a powerful one. Um, Thank you for sharing that because when you hit that point about helping people understand just how powerful they are, man, if we culturally, collectively adopted that mindset and knew that we just kind of had to make a few like little tweaks and adjustments and we could be you know, back in the driver's seat of our life again, um, what a gift that is to give to people. So, I mean, I'm honored to, to know you and, and to, to hear the stories of the people that go through this process and, and you know, be a, a champion along with you and support people in this direction. But, uh, I mean, you dropping that message of hope for people and, and helping them realize their, their worth and, and they're they're worth it. And there's so much more that's available to them. I mean, that just, um, that's a powerful message. So thank, thank you, you, man. For, thank you for sharing that. You're one of my biggest fans. Nick's like one of my <laughs> biggest promoters. Yeah. Wherever we go, this guy's giving me shout outs. And then I end up having a line of people <laughs> that are like, it's awesome. No, yeah. but I love it, man. I mean, Put that's, you to work. That's, that's, why, that's why I'm alive. That's why I'm breathing air right now, man. So awesome. it's, thanks it's so much all for about sharing it. That. What yeah, about, that what about a, a home play assignment for people? Ooh, this is good. So let's just do this, man. I think this would just be a real simple way to do this. So we talked about these vital function demands, communication, resources, response, reactivity. Everybody write these down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really want you to stare at each one and think about what you heard today and think like, where do I maybe need to improve in my, in my vital function demands? So for some of you that may be, you know what? I don't think I've ever addressed the communication in my body. Maybe I need to go see a chiropractor, get my nervous system assessed and see how I'm doing there. Uh, resources. Maybe some of you need just need to clean up your diet and, and your lifestyle. Uh, response. If, and, and, and just to move from there, am I responding Mm-hmm. To the to these issues in my life, is my health, is my body having a response? I mean, do I see a healthy response coming on a daily basis from these things I'm dealing with? And then, are you getting back into that homeostasis? Do you feel like you're in homeostasis? If you don't, and you always feel like you're out of whack, then that's just your body's not able to fall back into sync. So, really, stare at these, and I think you should just question and say, where where do I need to? What do I need to work on? And where are these broken down? And then, like we said, go find your dream team yeah. and find somebody to help you start to address these things because that's where you're going to get better, right, Nick? Yeah, yeah, you betcha. And I th- that's a good assignment. I'm going to do the same thing too. Actually, I'm just going to write those down and go into them and, and think about the different things that have come up for me, whether emotional or physical or, or you name it and just start to work with it because it's a, uh, it's, it's something, it's a universal uh, framework. I feel it, it can cover many ground. 
absolutely yeah brother this was amazing i love it having talks with you i know we, we and we love having guests on but you know there's something special about just getting a hammer out an idea and all these different you know awarenesses start to come into reality and it, it helps us so thank you so much all of you who listen and tune in and share and comment it's like we feel so blessed that we get to share this information on a platform that, that people are receiving it so uh, so much love to all of you who are listening. David Wardy, we'll see you uh, next week, my brother. Dr. And, Nick, uh, love you, man. Love you too, buddy. All the best, guys. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the Dr. Dads and share with your family and friends. You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.